science fiction is an existential metaphor. It allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Isaac Asimov once said, individual science fiction stories may seem as trivial as ever to the blinder critics and philosophers of today. But the core of science fiction, its essence has become crucial to our salvation. Tell me how many lights you see. Yeah! Ah! Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. I'm apparently Jen. You are Jen. <laughs> There's a story there. We'll get to that in a second. And who else do we have in the show here? I am Dave Sellers. He is, with tons of lens flare behind him. Yeah. Indeed. Yes, indeed. Way to go, Teal. Um, All right, so tell me a little bit, uh, why Jen? Well, because for the past, I think it's been like four or five years now, every time I go over to Scott's house, his son calls me Jen. And every time I try to like, most of the time I try to tell him, no, my name is Chrissy. He's like so busy, like running away or trying to tell me something or off doing just basically ADHDing. So I find it adorable because I can totally relate that he's so focused on everything else that's going around. He can't hear me say, my name is Chrissy. And so he usually spends most of the whole time calling me Jen. It is true. You could pull off a Jen. Totally. I, I don't, Absolutely, Jen. I'm not. I'm not feeling it. Yeah, absolutely. So, we we joke that on the podcast I would Call, say that yeah, I'm we Jen tonight. Introduce it as Jen. So Jen's on the. I'm podcast. now Jen. Absolutely now Jen. <laughs> it is funny every time it's, that it happens. Though he comes in like, well, okay, you're Jen again. So now she just she just answers to it when he comes in. Hey, Jen. So henceforth. And forthwith, thou shalt be known as Jen, who loves faith of the heart. There we are. <laughs> no! It is decided. It is decided. <laughs> oh, we decided now. Apparently. Apparently. It, it, grow on you. it does grow on you, just like the lens flares glowing on Dave. That's right. That's right. It, it shines off the, off the head. The, come join the podcast. We will brainwash you and all sorts another. of things. Yes. Yes. Is this like a Betty Gesserit trick? Is that what's going on? Apparently. You trying to use the voice on me? <laughs> or force. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight we are going to be talking on this show about Dune 2021. I guess that's what we're calling it because you go by the years of the same movie. Or Dune Part 1, I guess we should say. And we'll also be talking a little bit about what's going on in our sci-fi world just to kind of do a little bit of catching up here. But predominantly, we are talking Dune. And uh, our thoughts about the new movie and uh, what we liked about it, what we missed from the old movie, and maybe what we uh, didn't like in general. So we're going to talk about a ton of different things here, but let's start off by talking about what's going on in our sci-fi world. And let's start with you, Dave. I watched Dune, finally. Um, We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, watched a bit of Star Trek Prodigy. I didn't get too deep in that. Time has been 
somewhat of a luxury these last last week or two and will be for the next i don't know three to four weeks yep we uh been busy starting to pack here this past weekend especially and really making some good headway but realize i got way too much crap <laughs> so yep it's uh it's been a it's been a long road getting from here getting to there. From here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you boys <laughs> uh, sorry jen the end is finally there <laughs> 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 oh my it just won't get old will it uh, <laughs> nope Dave what did you think of um, Prodigy it's cute mm-hmm. it's cute um, this is what I want to hear when we talk about Star Trek first words out of his mouth it's cute when I think yeah, of Star it, Trek it, it, I think it, cute cuteness yeah, yeah it's cute it, <laughs> cute cute tribbles it, 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 yeah. it's, it's made cute. for yeah, it's it's obviously made for kids, which I've got no problem with. It's a entry level, better than lower foray decks, into huh? The, huh? Better than lower decks for kids. <laughs> well, for kids, yes. <laughs> for kids, yes. Lower um, decks, I would not recommend for children. No, eh, it depends no. how good of a parent you are, um, or bad parent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to know, figure out how to interpret that. <laughs> As you depends whether should. you want your TV show to parent your kids or whether you parent your kids. That's right. <laughs> um, I I didn't. I guess I only got through the premiere and started one of the second episodes yet. But I mean, I, I've liked what I've gotten found so far. It's just I'm trying to figure out just where in the hell they're at right now Mm -hmm. as far as location and some of these aliens. I mean, they're obviously all different aliens, but I thought the warthog looking guy, they called a Tellarite. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, a Tellarite and a Kazon in the same location. Something just wasn't, isn't jiving quite well with me. And I'm sure maybe that'll get flushed out and explained down the line but well did you the um the medusin are you familiar with yeah from the tos yeah it was nice not a tos yeah but it's it's cute i'm gonna i'm gonna definitely gonna keep watching it and see what happens with it and indulge my inner child absolutely awesome chrissy how about you what's going on in your sci-fi world Who's Chrissy? Oh, Jen. Jen, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jen, what's going on in your sci-fi world? I don't I don't know this Chrissy person. Yeah. Clearly. Sorry about that, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously we watched Dune. I'm trying to think of the other show I attempted to watch. And it had been one that I'd been kind of interested in. It was on Amazon Prime. It was almost like fairies and a murder mystery. I don't know. I got like bored halfway through it and just started playing a video game. So I don't remember it. Um, so I've, I've been trying. I've been trying to find something else to watch. And just, I don't know. I started watching it. And I was like, eh, bored. Moving on to something else. So just got to find something that's going to capture my attention. 
which is why I find your son's ADHD to be so amusing. I right. so relate to being like, yep, I'm just off here, and then I'm over there, and then I'm over here, and let's do this, right? It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, been kind of watching the shit storm around Guardian Spice. I may take a look at it just to see what's why it's on fire, but if you're not familiar with Guardian Spice, it is the first independently made anime by oh what's that place called? I'm not blanking on names tonight. Um it's all right, Jen. I, you know what? <laughs> Your son can't remember my name. I can't remember the name of this this place. Um that has lots of anime and manga. So, it will so, come so to Guardian me. Spice, is that part of the Spice Girls? No. I hear tell arguably Spice Girls are actually better than Guardian Spice. Oh, there you go. And if that in and if that intro is indication of anything, it probably is. Apparently like apparently it's so bad it's actually like one of those funny things and it's actually good because of how bad it is. So I may watch it out of go. sheer curiosity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guardian Spice. It sounds like someone from uh Planet Arrakis. Yeah. Yep, maybe. Miles, how about you? What's going on in your sci-fi world? So, like all of you, I've watched Dune. Um, I am enjoying 4400 and Legends of Tomorrow on CW. I'm enjoying Star Trek uh, Progeny. Um, I'm watching the, still watching The Bray on, on NBC. Um, when I can, catching Doom Patrol and Titans on HBO Max. I am reading the time travel novel Caveman by uh, Jeffrey Tenney. Very nice. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you about my second attempt at La Brea since you brought it up. Oh, you made a second attempt. Okay. I made a second attempt. So I said, you know, I got halfway through, you know, uh, once they described like the hair, they found the heroin in the one car in the first episode. I was like, oh, okay, I'm done. Right. And that uh, didn't capture me, so I never made it past that. And I said, Kristen, I know you like time travel shows. And this is, and I explained the premise, how you took modern-day person, you threw them back into prehistoric times, right, in this, in this time warp, right, and you deal with it. So I said, oh, let's try it. I made it about 10 minutes further than I was the first time. <laughs> I made, baby steps. I, I baby baby steps, right? I made it to where, like the the war, the, the wolves, the the dire wolves, come coming in and attacking the camp, you know, right the first time, and um, and so yeah, I was like, okay, yep, and then we were like, okay, we're done. So yeah, I made it that far, a little bit further, Miles, just so you know. So I gave it the old maybe college so. try, maybe more than once. But, <laughs> So, okay. sorry about that, go. Miles. I wish I could say that it, it, it hooked me, but it's just not. I'm going to need you to really sell me on this show if I'm going to try it a third time. Just saying. Yeah. I'll, I'll try well, it. Yeah. You know, the, the beauty of the podcast is we all have different tastes and not everyone's going to be Absolutely. captured by the same thing. No. And, and I, it was Crunchyroll. I, That's the thing I couldn't remember. Uh, I understand, by the way. Why you like it, Miles? Because it's time travel, right? I mean, you're a huge time travel buff, and and I typically like time travel, but for some reason, this wasn't doing it. I think my wife couldn't get over how bad 
the daughter who has the fake leg, how bad her acting was. <laughs> so that was Chris's complaint. In it okay. But anyways, um, what I watched, so I like, like everyone here, I watched Dune. Um, I also watched um, Finch, which, by the way, it's an Apple TV Plus. But by the way, th- it's a Tom Hanks movie. And talk about a, post- a post-apocalyptic movie with heart. That's the best way to describe it. My son, my wife, and I love this movie. Tom Hanks is incredible in it. Um, on one hand, you look at it and it's a little bit like Castaway, like Tom Hanks by himself. Um, on the other hand, he's traveling in this in this series. It's so the premise of it is that um, a huge lens flare, not lens flare, sorry, a huge, <laughs> a huge solar flare, um, you know, ripped holes in the ozone and you know took out EMP stuff and everything. It was really bad, um, and and so as a result. Um, there is a band that has been scorched by ionizing radiation. And so humanity has moved into like the poles, basically, is my understanding. But he's chosen to live away from humanity in this huge ionizing radiation belt um, by himself. But he, he lives there with a dog. Um, and they're kind of like scavengers. But he before everything happened, he was a robotics engineer and an AI tech. And so he creates this robot AI that becomes like his, um, what's the, what's the robot, uh, in star Wars, um, Han Solo. No rogue, rogue, rogue one K2, whatever. Oh, K2SO. Yeah. So a little bit like that, not the humor, although this, so this is an AI that's learning and trying to discover, and he's run by the he's governed by like the the three laws of robotics, the three Asimov laws. But there's a fourth law that above all else, he has to protect the dog and take care of the dog. Um, uh, because you know that is a very important rule. Yeah. So part of part of this is, um, Tom Hanks early on, you discover his character is dying. Um. And so it's, but it's a very emotional heart behind this. Part of it is Tom Hanks. Part of it is the actor that that did the voice for this robot was great. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic movie. Not going to win. I mean, you had me at Tom Hanks. Yeah, was, I mean, it was. Who doesn't like Tom Hanks? It was, it was good. It was, it was. It was good. It was uh, well worth watching, in my opinion. So. And what's it called again? It's called Finch. Finch. Yeah, so Finch, and it's um, it's uh, I mean, it's based, I mean, Tom character, Tom Hanks character is Finch, and the robot's name is Jeff. So, which is actually fantastic. But it's a good one. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's real worth it. That's a there's literally only three characters: a dog, the robot, and Tom Hanks. And there's some small people you see, but it's not. Big. Well, I mean, it's Tom Hanks and a dog. I'm there. Yeah, bring it Let's on. Do this. Bring it on. Anyways, <laughs> and, and a huge lens flare. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Huge <laughs> lens flare sets off the world and destroys it. It's great. This is why <laughs> Day Day must be stopped. It's, it's, re- it's reflecting off Dave's head, and that's what destroys the world. 
Dave, yeah. put on a wig. Yeah. A hat man. A hat man. <laughs> That's why the lights were off in the parking deck this morning. No lens flare. That's right. Oh, it's man. too much. So, uh, it's like the couch. So, so, yeah. So I watched that. The other thing I've been watching that I really enjoyed was the new uh, League of Legends animated series, Arcane. Absolutely fantastic. In fact, it did so well when they. So it's like Netflix is doing something weird where they drop three episodes and then the next week they drop another three and the next week they drop another three. Um, and after the first three dropped, it did so well that they ordered other shows to be played into this world later on. So it's very well done. The animation is great and um, some a, a real compelling storyline. Yeah. It's that's really amusing to me when I think back to the character descriptions of League of Legends when it first came out no doubt. and just how awful they were. And you're like, what is this story? Like what what is this nonsense? So so, cent- so central to this are Kane, Vi, mm-hmm. Jinx, and um Caitlin. And Jinx is just that's the character you really feel you really feel for. That's all I'm going to say. Mm. Heimer Ding. So it's like a Jinx. Isn't it origin story for Jinx? A little bit. Yeah, it definitely, okay. it definitely is that. But it's also an origin story for Jace and for Caitlin and for Vi in a way. So okay. So it's well worth it. So that's, that's a Netflix show, and I've been really, really enjoying it. And then, of course, I'm reading um, the Wheel of Time book two. I'm almost through it. Um, and and uh, this Friday, um, this next Friday, I think the Wheel of Time series comes out on Amazon. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, so I'm still debating whether I want to watch it. Oh, did you ever read the books, uh, Jen? I, I I did. I read them all the way up to was it Winter's Heart? Was oh yeah, we talked about this. You said like book eight or nine or something like that. Yeah, like I and then literally nothing happened in the plot. Nothing progressed, and I was like, I just read eight hundred pages of BS. I mean, I respect the skill level that it took to do that. I mean, don't get right. me wrong. I mean, it was well, but I was like, it was well described BS. But it was it still totally bad. was. Yeah, but I, mean, I was like, you have done nothing to advance the could, plot or the could, character. You like, could totally visualize that BS. I could. It was very well written BS, but I was not having any more of it. I said, I'm not going to keep reading this nonsense. You like you didn't progress the characters. You didn't progress the plot. What is this bull? Bull crap. Yeah. Like seriously. Yep. There, there are many books to read and shows to watch, and I don't have time for you to be wasting my time with this crap. Yep. I'm also of the opinion when people tell me to read Harry Potter and they tell me it gets good after the first three books, I'm like, I shouldn't have to read three books to get to the good stuff. But that's just you know my hang up. Yep, that is your hangout. But. <laughs> All right. So uh, I believe that's about it. Um, I don't think there's anything else in my sci-fi world. You reading anything? Well, that was uh, Wheel of Time. I'm reading that. Okay. That's what I'm really reading right now. Um, I am about ready. On the on the docket is um, Lady of Caladan, which is like a prequel book to the Dune series. So in anticipation, there's a three book series that kind of is coming out. There was Duke of Caladan, then there's Lady of Caladan, and then I don't know what the third one will be, something with Paul of Caladan or whatever it's going to be. But they're like backstories that kind of lead you up to the Dune movies. So 
So that's on the docket. I, I there's a podcast I'm doing next Monday that I'm or Sunday that I'm supposed to be ready for. So we'll see if I actually get started with the book before by then. But I will read it. Just may not be in time. So, but all right. Well, talking about Dune, let's uh, let's get into talking about Dune 2021 part one, I should say. And uh, Miles, did you have any stats or background for it? Yeah. So um, it. The budget was is estimated at 165 million. So far, domestically, it's taken over 93 million. Uh, international, almost 20, two, two, 260 million. So worldwide, we're talking over, you know, about 350, 352 million seven hundred sixty nine. Yeah, three three hundred and fifty-two million seven hundred thousand sixty nine two hundred ninety one. So um, I know how difficult it is to see those numbers over the lens flare coming from Dave's head, but (laughs) (laughs) the eyes are hurting. I'm just talking. Just saying. All right. (laughs) No. Anyways. Yeah. So it's it's, uh, it's doing well for him then, right? I mean, this is there's a reason why a week out after the movie dropped, they said, "Yeah, we're going to do part two. So. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and but but a lot of us like myself are catching on HBO Max. So I somehow you wonder how that figures in. I don't know. There has to be a metric that somehow plays into helping support well, they, the movie. They can tell how many people watched it on HBO Max, and they may even find that there are people subscribing to. <clears throat> Sorry, HBO Max just to watch the movie. I mean, I didn't have HBO Max. I was like, well, I mean, it would cost me a month of this is just as expensive to go out to the movies. And I don't feel like, you know, dealing with people and I'll just sit here and watch it and snuggle my cats and drink some tea. And it was a grand old time. (laughs) They won't let me bring my cats to the movie theater. It's very discriminatory. (laughs) Yeah, tell it's a therapy cat. <laughs> um, not with the way, not with the way these two Mostly behave. Cat. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, why don't you uh, any any other stats for it? Uh, that's that's what I could find so far. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, so uh, let's delve into the movie a little bit. Um, we just got done last show reviewing Dune 1984, and here we are, Dune 2021. Totally different movies, right? Yep, oh, yeah. very. De- definitely a different tone in this one than uh, the 84 version, yeah. There is a decided lack of guitar riffs, for which... Very disappointing. You are missing them when the sand when they ride the sandworm and like. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they'll have that in part two when they actually ride the sandworm. I mean, if there's not a guitar riff, I'm gonna be very sad. We'll, we'll talk. To, we'll get Hans Zimmer on that. All right. <laughs> uh, no, got to Toto. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know, to, to all that being said, Toto, <laughs> the music in this movie was fantastic. Like it just fit the mood. It played into it at a little bit of a Middle East vibe. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah, the, <laughs> Toto. 
<laughs> the music had a minimalist vibe, and so did the actual cinematography. Like it was, it was very a stark sort of movie. Yeah. Lots of. I really liked all the light. Um, kind of reminded me when I was way back in college doing um, photography, and we had to do a whole like light study series. And so I was just very, I just enjoyed it for that reason alone just watching the cinematography was gorgeous i didn't even necessarily have to watch the movie i just was enjoying the scenes on on the screen i don't think i've enjoyed cinematography that much since memoirs of a geisha so i thought it was beautiful but it's definitely a different beauty to it than obviously memoirs of a geisha where you had all you know the flowers and cherry blossom petals this was very like the beauty of the desert so I just, I really liked that and enjoyed it well. Right. Well, and all that makes sense, this whole Middle Eastern vibe. I mean, Frank Herbert modeled the, the Fremen, at least in part, under under some stuff. Um, well, there's so there's a lot of religious overtone, right? So you get a little bit of a, a Mideast uh, vibe coming through, not only in that, but even in some of the religious the religious views. And I've read something about this a long time ago about how he modeled it, but the Fremen were kind of, you know, based loosely on um, some of the, um, I want to say the Sunni culture, but I'm not, it's been a while since I've looked at it, but, but it makes sense. It fit, it fits that world for me. Yeah. I mean, that does leave the movie open to some criticism. Um, some people didn't feel that, that was necessarily right to do and that it's part of cultural appropriation i had mixed feelings about it because i was like well at the time that it was written he did model it off of those people and yet it may have been that way and so how do you adapt something from 1967 to modern audiences knowing that what happened in 1967 wasn't 100% I almost like 100% okay the way that they did it. So it's almost like, do you change and update it based on today's st- like standards? Right. Or do you hold to the source material? So I do, I do respect the, um, the push and pull there of someone who's trying to make an ad- adaptation. Um, you know, when we become more aware of how certain things can be like an issue. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, do I alter it? And thus alter the source material and then it comes across not respecting the source material or do I just do the source material knowing that that may be an issue here in the modern. So, you know, absolutely. Well, so let's let's delve into um, the movie itself. We talked real briefly here about the music, but uh, you know, n- notable in here, we have some pretty fun performances for some pretty well known. The, the 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 cast is pretty well known cast. I mean, so uh, what were your thoughts about uh, some of the casting choices that uh, that the director made here? Well, obviously, the first mistake he did was not getting our favorite captain to come back and play Gurney. I mean, really. (laughs) He wasn't available. Josh Brolin had to jump in. 
Ugh. I guess. Uh, Thanos, right? Mm-hmm. They couldn't have gotten so Pat- better. But. I know. Pat- Patrick Stewart was too busy, um, I guess, reading us Shakespeare during the pandemic. Right, so, right, right. Which was a delight. So I'm not going to complain too much. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's a bit old for that yeah, role now. Probably, probably. Doesn't look good <laughs> in a cod piece, but. Uh, nah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I mean, um, I don't want to harp on this. It's not something I like, you know, it, but I, I think the 84 version, there weren't that many people of color in, right. in, in that version. And, and this one, I, I think, you know, I don't. I don't want this to be about, you know, political correctness or whatever. But you know, I, I'm. I'll just say I'm glad they included more people. You know, a more diverse group of uh, uh, people of, of uh, different, different, different mel- 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 uh, melting shades. Uh, well, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense in a futuristic setting that you would actually have a lot more people of different colors. Um, at least shades, and in the books, I don't think that they're described as white. They're described as olive, correct? Yes. Am I wrong? Okay, well, so I mean, this makes sense, right? They're on the desert planet. You are going to have some really dark skin tones for that. Yeah, I mean, stick me there, and I'm going to be a lobster pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, both. Yeah, I'm going to need something. Not Dave, though. Not Dave. It, the sun reflects it off of reflects me. Reflects off of him. <laughs> he would be causing a it'll be, it'll be uh, problem. It'll be it'll be Dave Power. Dave Power instead of Desert right. Power. That's right. That's right. The the lens flare will cause a massive. What was that in that movie? Yeah. So you know, I, I love I love <laughs> I love the <laughs> acting in um in here. I love. I thought that they, they, the the casting for Paul really worked for me. Uh, Jessica Trades also worked for me. Uh, I loved o- Oster Isaac. I did not see Poe Dameron anywhere in that role. Uh, he did a great job of Duke Leto Atreides. So yeah, I didn't know. So talked about wanting to be a pilot once. Yeah, that was funny. I laughed at that. That one. was funny. Yep, he did talk about that. Um, you know, he wanted to target swamp rats and beggars canyon. Just kidding, but. <laughs> um, and, and, and you know, Jason Momoa, I thought did a good job portraying Duncan Idaho. You know, yes, he did. Yeah, I like the relationship he had with uh, the, the 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 Paul Atreides character. Yep. Um, and then the guy that plays uh, the guy from Thor that played uh, Baron Harkonnen. Oh yeah, yeah and I thought that that I, I will admit I like the. I like the maniacalness of the 1984 Baron Harkonnen because he's I, I did too. I mean, he also, a little bit, a little bit crazy, and I think that the books kind of hinted that a little bit. And this this guy seems much more cool and calculating. And both of those, I think, are parts of Baron Harkonnen, when as I understand the novels, uh, but. This one was just that cool, calculating plan to maneuver the Atreides. And I also felt for someone coming into that, 
they don't understand all the history behind um, the Harkonnens and the Atreides that kind of sets us all out that they lay out in the book and they just can't lay out in a movie like this. But mm-hmm. yeah, well, he definitely seems a lot more, um, I would say, menacing yes. in in this movie. In the other movie, I don't know, he came across at least to me a little bit um, Saturday morning cartoony. Like I had a little bit of a hard time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like your cat too, like, by the way. Yeah. Well, Orion is is he's a hunter, so he'll just you know, yeah, scratch and they'll be fine. Um. So, but in this movie, he definitely, like you said, much more calculating, much more. I would say like more dangerous because someone who is unstable, you know, is their own form of dangerous because you can't predict them at all. Right. Um. This one. I guess would be a little bit more dangerous, like dangerous in a different way. Right. Um, but once again, I think part of what made him much more menacing in this is just the, the way they use light. Yes. Loved it. Yep. Like when he rises out of the, the swamp, whatever thing, like after the poison gas thing, and, they, and then the he sinks bath. back in. So menacing, just that act. So, in that, um, what did you think of Josh Brolin, aka Thanos, as Gurney Halleck? Oh, just a just a total uh, fighter. Yeah, I mean, he, he played a badass. Yep, and he's he's good for that. Yeah. You know, play the old, you know, an older guy, a little bit of an older guy who obviously had some fighting experience teaching the young Paul how to, how to fight and, and just being the, the quintessential warrior. Right. Right. Yeah. He he did a, did a great job. Yeah. I thought so too. Um, and the, uh, in, and I thought that he was believable to me as as kind of like Paul's kind of right hand person there and so on. And Leah Kynes, I know that Leah, the, the lady that played Leah Kynes got a little bit of hate early on when they were making the movie because they gender swapped her. But I liked her in this role. She did a she was believable for me. And I just loved the interaction and the presence that she brought as the the imperial planetologist that was kind of on the on well they developed her character more yes in this. i mean in in 84 one i mean he was just a glorified pilot i mean i i remember him being much more than that mm-hmm. yeah yeah so uh and i wellington yui let's talk about wellington yui yet and uh, probably should talk about Dave Bautista's character and then Chani, who really didn't get much in the role. So uh, let's talk about um, Wellington Yui. Chan Chang, I believe is the way it is. Mm-hmm. What did you think of him? I mean, he was fine. I'm, not, I'm trying, you know, as far as... I, I think we probably saw a little more of him than uh, Dean Stockwell's version of him. 
you know, we saw him, you know, you know, examine Paul Trees a couple times, make sure he was okay. So, I mean, I, I think if maybe if you weren't familiar with, with the story, this might have, um, spoiler, but you now he's the traitor. Um, you may not have seen a couple. Yeah. You kind of see him as a, you know, a devoted doctor to the, to the, to the royal family and, uh, particular to paul so the one thing that uh, i liked about his betrayal is when he puts out the sleeping meds for paul to like knock him out when he turns you see in him just a little bit of a hesitation and i just love the way he kind of portrayed this like i'm doing this and i regret that i'm doing it and i like that yeah. i thought that that was beautifully done beautifully portrayed um and mm-hmm. so I thought that was well-crafted. What do you think of Dave Bautista's character playing the sidekick or the son of Baron Harkonnen? Oh, I've been a big fan of Bautista for, since he was a wrestler. Yeah, and well, he did such um, a great job of this. Yes, he did. He did. And it was... You could see the, the, the difference in the roles between... Baron Harkonnen and and Rabin between the movies, how their personalities have kind of I want to say swapped, but from what I recall from the '84 movie, I mean this guy was not as Crazy. old and menacing, you know, as, as compared to the insane foaming at the mouth Baron. Right. You got yeah. that flipped a little bit on this one. Yeah. I love the anger that comes out of him. Go ahead, Mike. Yes. Sorry. Did, did um in the eighty four version, um I'm trying to remember did did um did, did Sting play the that uh, the uh Raven character or was it somebody else? That Sting was no. Fade. Lovely Fade. Fade Ralphie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah th- his this character in the '84, you didn't see him much. I mean, he but came he into a couple scenes with something gross. Room. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, usually it was just eating something disgusting, and you were like, "Yeah." <laughs> yeah, but but you could see here, like, with the the reputation that the Harkonnens have of being just brutal and ruthless. They had a, a guy leading them who was portrayed, who, you know, exemplified being brutal and ruthless. And Batista is a menacing guy to begin with. I mean, even his hilarious character in Guardians of the Galaxy is still menacing. Right. And he does a very good job of portraying he does. that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed the Harkonnens that. that they they tried to I mean I guess with with they made them up differently so they, I mean even though you know they're they're human I guess but um, but they, they they have a different skin tone so they tried to maybe make you know make some make some families look different right. and the skin tone works but they, they make these people more scarier with uh, the makeup. You know, one of the things I thought they did real well is really showing how the emperor himself, who we don't ever really meet, or at least not much, 
how the emperor himself is kind of manipulating this plot to overthrow the Atreides. Um, so, like, he provides the Harkonnens with the Sardaukar, right? And so they go to the prison planet, and they get the Sardaukar from the emperor. Uh, which, by the way, the prison planet... There's guys hanging upside down and blood draining. I was like, oh, this is definitely a prison planet. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was, I thought they did that well. And they, they did, a, they, they showed that this, they showed, they didn't go too deeply into the politics of Dune, but the politics of Dune were clearly there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was definitely much better than the five minute long exposition. I thought they did a really good job of ex- of showing, not telling. And, you know, for example, when um, I guess it's like the Mentap person, yeah. like, is supposed to like, do that calculation. There's that quick little, like, his eyes go white and he does the calculation then then spits out a number. It tells you instantaneously, oh, this guy has some sort of quirk, some sort of, like, thing about him that lets him do that he's not just spouting right. off because he looked it up earlier right so they did a really good job of demonstrating and immersing you in a world without having to take you know five hours of voiceover and right you know intercoms from the guild whatever and right. which by the way the guild navigators noticeably absent in this movie and I was fine with that. Yeah, yeah no, that, that was a really, floating. really ugly fish thing. Yeah, so, yeah, giant. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, they, I mean, not essential for this story that we're telling. So all we need to know is, yes, they transport it. We see the big ships, and that's about it. We don't really need much more than that. But um, <laughs> Absent a giant floating brain yeah. shooting spice out of its yeah. butthole to go super fast, yeah. <laughs> Like, is this appropriate to be watching? What is that it? wouldn't have fit in very well. Yeah. I do want to say this that um I had a little bit of an issue surrounding the character of Jessica. Um I forget how they portrayed her in the nineteen eighty four movie, but Jessica in the books comes off as a much stronger character. Um who's not only just the Duke's concubine, but like the for all intents and purposes, like his right arm, you know, as far as strength goes. And I felt like that was just a bit underdeveloped. Um, and that bothered me just a little bit of someone who has obviously did an entire podcast series on the Dune franchise, bothered me a little bit that they didn't portray our character strong. Um like I felt like Leah Kimes, maybe we're going to get that because I think that part of the difficulty is that we are only getting half the movie of what mm-hmm. Dude 1984 gave us. Um, so we aren't seeing everything fully developed, but I do feel like I wish that her character would have been a little bit stronger of a character or portrayed a little bit stronger than it was. Like when Reverend Mother Mahayam comes in at the beginning to kind of test Spaw. Paul, she like she's like a wilted flower in her presence, um, and I just I, I just felt like she was much stronger in the book. But 
That's my own thought on it. Interesting. But, um, the other thing that was missing in Jessica was in the book, when they get to Arrakis, there's rumor of a traitor in their midst. And this gets back to Duke Leto. And at one point, the suspicion is thrown onto Jessica as being the traitor. And so, like, he pushes her away. And, again, that was a development they chose to cut out, which, again, doesn't play into the greater arc of the movie and what we need to know. Probably not. But it was something that was different and noticeably absent. Well, I I think with a book that's 900 pages, even when you cut it down to 450 pages... um, yeah, you you have to start so making some decisions. Yeah. yeah, you you have to you have to start making some decisions about what to keep, what to throw out, what um you know. And part of that may have been I think there were some things in the interactions between Jessica and the Reverend Mother that communicated things about the world that maybe had Jessica been played a little bit stronger wouldn't have communicated the same things so once again you also have to look at okay how am i going to explain the world without having a bunch of exposition and inner thought voiceovers and you know making people read a book in order to understand what's going on in the movie um so just adapting a book is really hard yeah. I mean, yeah, and there's no doubt. Like I don't I don't doubt that at all, right? Um and and I will say Peter Jackson really set the bar high when he adapted Lord of the Rings as well oh, as he did. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. No doubt. So I, I do think that because there's that bar, people have a certain expectation that now when you adapt a book, it's gotta be good. You know, as long as there's a bar, Dave's there. Right there. <laughs> right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep the glasses, right? Uh, you know the uh, it's it's really is a and, and you know I'm being very nitpicky here as someone that again is thrown in and none of this made the movie bad. In fact, for people that are just coming into Dude and this is their first experience, they probably don't need some of that stuff. You know, right? Yeah, that's just reality. Now I do have a right. question for you. Did the officer uniforms remind anyone of the SS uniforms for like uh, the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi and Star Wars? Or was it uh, just me? You know? The Atreides uniforms? Yeah, the Atreides. The Atreides, yeah. Like their dress uniforms, not their fighting uniforms and not the still suits, but. Um. Think so because I didn't sit there watching yeah. it, thinking this reminds me of that. But I had a note here that Imperial officers, you know, Star Wars, and I, had, I was like, and then when I went back and looked at, so when I was watching it the first time, it kind of hit me, and then when I went back and said, no, if anything, they look a little bit more like the dress uniform for like any any sort of military type operation. Well, it it is one of those things where. You know, the book Dune inspired so many science fiction movies, including Star Wars. And so naturally, 
an adaptation of Dune is going to have some reflections of Star Wars in it. Um, And, you know, if people don't realize the history, they might wrongly think that Dune is borrowing from Star Wars, but really it's more like Star Wars borrowed from Dune and then Dune borrowed kind of more from itself. Right. So like like, Tatooine, that's what Arrakis is. Well, or Tatooine is, yeah. Um, or like, like, oh, worms, like in the tremors. I'm like, no, it's not where it came from, guys. It's, a, it's, a, it's that sea, that whole, the, 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 the Sarlacc pit, totally sandworm vibes in that. I was thinking of Sarlaccs. Yeah, definitely Sarlaccs. Yeah. Without the mobility, but. Yep. So, back to your thing about the uniforms. I, I'm, I pulled an image search up here because I, I just wanted to get another look at it. The eight, 1984 uniforms that are that Atreides had, they remind me more of the 1930s, 40s German officer right. uniforms there. Big it time. Re- it really did. Yeah. The, the big patches there on the lapel, on the right there at their necks. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah. The new ones, not so much. <sighs> not so much, but. Damn, they're slick, though. Yeah. I mean, they really are. Yeah. They'd be great to cosplay in. Yeah, they would be. Um, I'm cosplaying that. Yeah. So um, another thing that I want to um, just note. So you know the sand compactors, they called it? Uh, the, The device that called the sandworm? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The little thing is thumping. In the movie, didn't they call it sand compactor? I want to say that's a term that they use. I don't think it was thumper. Because I noted that. I'm like, this is not right. Because I like thumper makes sense. But I think think they used the term sand compactor. I could be wrong about that. So I'm looking at my notes like forever ago and so. I don't recall that, yeah, but that's all right. Maybe I'm just being. Well, you this. I mean, Dune is one of your favorite books, so I I expect you to well, be more. Uh, be well, more nitpicky, I would say. Like you're going to notice these things because you're passionate about it. Yeah. Anyway, and I respect your passion. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I will nitpick about it in a small. In the books, when you unsheathe a Chris knife, you have to use it to draw blood before it gets sheathed again. When the one Fremen presents the Chris knife to Jessica in the tower, what does she do with it? She unsheathes it and then sheathes it again. That did bother me a little bit. But again, no one's going to know this stuff if they haven't read the book. Right. So, I mean, like, this is only Scott just being anal. It doesn't account for anything. It doesn't account <laughs> We're comparing for it to the book. Yeah, I'm comparing it to the book, which, again, if you haven't read the book, this and, and, and the reality, this movie, the pacing of this movie, I thought was well done. Like, I never felt like it was, I never got in two and a half hours. I'm like, man, when's this over? Like, I felt like it really had good pacing. 
Mm-hmm. I I felt the ending was a little weak, though. I felt like it was like building and building and building, and then I don't know, like the ending didn't seem very. It, it felt like it. I paused the movie, literally in the middle of the movie, and I'm just going to come back to it and start it up again. It's, in two years, yeah. you are. And it's no doubt that what they'll probably do is they'll probably have showings where they'll show the first part, and then you can watch the second part. Because I would totally go. Yeah. So it it really feels like I'm just in a very long intermission. Like what they used to do with long movies is they would have an intermission. They'd have like, you know, like the music going or whatever. Because they did that in Gone with the Wind, I think. Um, Yeah, they did. And you know what? I'm a little bit curious as to why. So I think Dune, and we mentioned this in the last show, Dune is at a pretty tumultuous, tumultuous past when it comes to filming. Um. Certainly, David Lynch had no love, and it's kind of one of those B science fiction movies that people love and hate at the same time. Um, but it hasn't done real well. And so I wonder if studios just were unwilling to take the risk on it. They said, let's do the first part and see how it goes, and then we'll make the second part. But it feels like a bit of an odd thing because exactly that you get halfway through, and then it's like, okay, no resolution here. Paul and Cheney just walking off into the desert. Always leave them wanting more. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, like, it's not like when it when um like other movies that are like part one, part two, end, and like you kind of feel like it's a cliffhanger. Definitely didn't feel like a cliffhanger. I you know because I think that. You know what happens? He kills Jameson there near the end, and and then that's resolved. And then the movie continues a little bit, and then they like walk into the desert, you know, like walking off into the sunset. But there's no real. There's a lot of stuff that hasn't been resolved for us. Yeah, I don't know, Scott. I was going to ask you: Is it the the scene where he kills Jameis? Is that in the book? Yeah, that's definitely in the book. I don't know okay. that it happens quite as soon as it does here, but they did a fantastic job with portraying that. Uh, I almost, I don't know, just surprised by that scene. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess it's just, just showing you the difference between their cultures and stuff. But um, well, I think part of what they go, what they try to do, and they do this with Leah Kynes, is they're trying to show that Paul innately knows how to be Fremen. Like, he knows how to put on the still suit correctly. He knows how to walk across the sands. He um, And so even when he fights with the Chris knife there with Jameson, he knows how to defeat Jameson despite the belief that the Fremen have that there's no way that he can, he can, he can take down one of their best fighters. But he does. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like there's an there's kind of this innate thing that Paul knows, and that's what they do to show to show that. And so I understand why they did it. Um, I think they were it was done a little bit differently in the book, but the intent of it is to go to show that Paul is Moadib or the little mouth or the little mouse or becomes what they call their Kwisatz Haderach. Their savior, mm-hmm. yeah, and and it felt like it was trying to build up to this big revelation, and yet it felt like it didn't quite get there. 
which was weird because everything else they did so well and it felt like it was building to that and then it just kind of like i don't know sputtered out petered out it was like if you launch a firework and you're expecting a big boom and all it does is like one of those like silly like sprinkler things and like falls down to the ground it kind of lets you down a little bit and i get that i think that this is a curse of breaking this movie in two i mean as you said, this is a 900-page book, and what we got, the first 450 pages. It's not going to be as satisfying. I mean, Frank Herbert didn't write this book for a huge climactic middle, you know? He, he wrote it for the No, that's not. End, so. yeah. yeah, and I think people may have had the same criticism of um, Fellowship of the Ring when it first came out. Although even that, I felt, was a little bit more, I don't know, I felt more satisfied well, yeah, with so you, that ending yeah, than with lose, this ending. You, you lose Gandalf like sort of like two thirds of the way through, and then it's will the fellowship survive? And then the fellowship breaks, and that's the end. There's definitely a a, a finishing point to that movie. And then the second movie is you're following these different strands. It made sense, kind of where they kind of put that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know that I would have ended dune there but not no not having read the book fully i I attempted it um while back i'm probably in the attempted again um and not having seen the second part i don't know where i would have put it put the stopping point right right I mean, the reality is you mentioned that the book is hard. I think that what this movie does is makes Dune accessible for modern audiences. Um, and oh, it wasn't necessarily hard. It was well, just. No, but Dune is hard. Like I, my, I have students every year that attempt to read Dune in my sci-fi lit course. And I would say of the four students in the past years that have tried it, only one has made it all the way through. It's a very difficult. It's it's slow. It's political. It's it's Lord of the Rings, where you have a, descriptions of sands and creatures and the the politic and uh, for yeah, modern see, I read, that's a that's a that's a tough that's a tough go. Yeah, I mean, I read Lord of the Rings, and that was perfectly fine. I even read Brothers Karamazov, which was you know Russian, which is naturally a slog. Um, but Dune, it's just. It's one of those things where I, I guess I'm much more of a um, psychological person. So political stuff tends not to be my, like, forte in terms of, like, going on and on about, like, this house maneuvering over here and this person doing this thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want the fighting and the psychology. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I'm anxious to start it. Yeah. Your answer, do you have it in, do you have it in your queue to read it's in my queue it just got bumped back a slot because i remember the next thrawn novel comes out tomorrow so so that's really immediately going to the top i have not read the 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 third movie the third book in the trilogy yet that's the one that's coming out now oh it's not out yet i read then i read the no. i read the do you know what maybe i only maybe i only read the first one in the ascendancy trilogy i may have only read the first one. yeah 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 third one comes out tomorrow so dune got pushed back a little bit but i mean the way you guys talk about it with all the the political story and all that in there it sounds like it reads a lot like a tom clancy novel 
yeah. you know, a million pages long, full of political Maneuvering. intrigue with sports of actions and stuff through there. There's no doubt. See, so like Dune, you have the political machinations of the Emperor and Bar- and Harkonnen, and then you have Atreides who's trying to they're like trying to live nobly. And then you have the sisterhood, the Bene Jesuits, which are like a religious order that have their own goals and machinations because they're trying to they're trying to raise up the the savior, the Quizas Hatterach is their ultimate goal. And they've had a breeding program that has literally been running thousands of years to kind of arrive to this one thing, this one person. And that, that is supposedly found in Paul. Um and so there's that, and then you have the Fremen who are just, they live on this desert that pilot planet that, you know, they have established their own colonies here. And so you have, you know, the politic of imperium, of imperium, of the imperialists that have come in to like strip the planet of its resources. And then you have the natives that are just trying to exist on it. So it's really a nice treatise in some way of colonialism in Africa. There's some parallels you can draw to that. Um, but, um, yeah. Question for you, Scott. Uh, at the end of the movie, when when Paul and Jessica first meet with the Fremen, I mean, the Fremen look at them as potential sources of water. Yes. Um, was that was that something in the books? Oh, I mean, as absolutely, far as absolutely, because on Arrakis, you don't waste water. Like mm-hmm. every. Every everybody's body is reclaimed and the water is used for the purpose of the tribe. So there's like an entire process, almost like a coffin-like thing where they'll put a body in and they will extract all the water out of the body so that mm-hmm. they can use it for the tribe to help the tribe continue to function. It's the purpose of the still suits. I mean, water is more valuable than gold, you know, in that planet. So it's uh, yeah. very much in very much in line with it. That's why when when they kill Jameson, they carry the body with them because that body, the water needs to be extracted from that body. They wrap it so it doesn't lose moisture. Well, that makes a lot of sense if you're in a place with that little water. I mean, you know, and and different cultures throughout history have had various ways of. Mourning their dead. Yep. Actually, in Seattle, they just started um, having human composting, and you can become part of the forest. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I've been following um, Ask Mortician very. Yes, yes, that's right. You do like that show. I do. I really, really do. I think you know, making making plans for. Your eventual fate is is an important thing that everyone should do for for those that they love. And sure, turn me into a force. That sounds awesome. Is that going to be your plan, Chrissy? You know what? Currently, yes. I, I do not wish to be embalmed. I don't see why my body should become a source of pollution and chemical and further really chemically produce um pollute the world than i have already done just by existing in my modern society there so you there you go allow allow the earth to reclaim my carbon so where would you want to be planted i don't know my sister and i both want to have this happen and we're gonna let our our, our plan is we're going to haunt the forest together there you go 
As long as it's beside a long road. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. Put her beside the long road because she had such faith in her heart. <laughs> she has faith in her heart that she will yeah. haunt the forest. Yes, with my sister. <laughs> yep. Oh, so yes. is finally here or near. <laughs> so what else do we have to say about dude before we too rabbit trail too far here? <laughs> is there anything else that checks out? Uh, the vehicle they, they used. Oh, the um, ornithopters. Oh, they were awesome. Giant dragonflies. Yeah, I mean that's what they that's the way they're described in the book. I thought they did such a great job with that. So mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought they were cool. Yeah, they were good. They were a very elegant craft. Um, yeah, and the spiced harvesters, I liked them too. I thought they did great with that. Um, and the fact that the the Harkonnens left them with like nothing, so like set them up to fail. And I, I thought that was a great, that, that happens in the book too. But definitely the Order of Thopters, I loved the way they kind of did that. Yeah, and I liked how Liette was basically, you could tell that she was like, well, I'm not supposed to say anything. I was in charge to keep my mouth shut, which told you everything you need to know about the relationship between the Emperor, the Atreides, and the Harkonnens. It was, see, those are like the little things that I just really liked, the subtle storytelling. Yeah, and really, the plant, the planetologist really was kind of kept out of the loop of some of that stuff as well, but also was not supposed to be involved at all with what was going on in the in the politic of it. But, but even back to you know in our, our last show review in the the uh, David Lynch one, yeah, even I said you, you could I could follow the story through that movie despite all of its. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderfulness. Wonderful, terrible, wonderful, terribleness. Yeah, yeah. I am called a glorious, glorious garbage. garbage yes, glorious. yes, a glorious dumpster yeah. fire. <laughs> and to be able to see it, to see that story begin to be flushed out here in, in a modern version, it, it to me, it only watching these now for the first time. This has been my first indulgence into the Dune world. It has been really good really good the the their storytelling from this one it, it brought it made a lot more in my mind from the 84 movie make a little more sense but that the 80 you know david lynch has made me appreciate this even more right. and i i cannot wait for the the second part to come out yeah. that's going to be a great great watch well i'm glad that the book adaptation is is finally getting the sounds like it's the justice it finally yeah, deserves definitely is the movie that is i think uh, i haven't i haven't followed a lot of what you know dune critics are saying but i feel like this is in my opinion this is well done well done round of applause round of applause <laughs> i don't know how to say the director's name so i just avoid it <laughs> my french is terrible denis villeneuve don't look at me. I, I took German. Yep. I took a year of French in eighth grade. Yep. Anyway. Could not help you out. So let's talk. Uh, 
if we were to rate this movie, we did that for Dune and did not rate that high. Out of five stars, how would you rate it? What what would your rating be? Miles, let's start with you. Um I had a the the for me the pacing was very slow in the first hour. I feel like I'd really had a slog through it. Then after the second hour it seemed to pick up for me a little bit. Um I give it a three. Ooh, okay. A three. Makes sense. Uh Chrissy, how about you? I don't know who this Chrissy is. Oh, sorry. Again, again. How uh how about you? What's your rating? Um I'm gonna give it a good like four point five out of five stars. It's not it's not a perfect movie. As as I said before, I felt the ending was it was a little weak. Um so I'm hoping that together, part one and part two, we can get it up to five stars. So I'm gonna give it a higher rating, a a, a four or four point five. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Dave, how about you? I too will concur with Jen and give it a good solid four. Absolutely. And I think that I would concur with Jen as well. I would give it a 4.5 on my books. Um, again, it's it's, it's hard. You, like you compare it to the Dune where I gave it like a two. I don't, I don't forget what I gave it, but it was low. And like hands down, it's just the better of the movie, but we don't get a complete story either. So. Yeah, well, I, I definitely think it's kind of like when when I take the Lord of the Rings trilogy together, right. that to me is five stars. That is just gorgeous. And even when I rewatch it, it's just such a good trilogy. Oh my gosh, I love it. Um, so I'm I'm hopeful that taking the two together composite will make a really good movie. Here, here. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. So, uh, well, I think it's a good, uh, we did a nice job tearing apart it. Uh, listeners, we would love to hear your thoughts on the new Dune movie as well. You can email us at sci-fi-nighter-podcast.com or message us on Facebook as well. And um, I think that's it. Uh, any other thoughts before we wrap it up? No, I think we covered pretty good. All right, fantastic. No, no other thoughts that pertain to the subject. Lots of other thoughts, Oh, though. yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, there's a reason Arrakis is so barren. Dave's lens flare head. You got it. Oh, I thought you were setting up like a dad barren Harkness joke. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm so disappointed uh, now. No, you, you should be. You should be. Okay. I love bad dad joke. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> all right. Miles, why don't you take us out of the show? All right. Till next time. Good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Leave your tips on the table. And go boldly. Yay, Jen. <laughs> you don't strike me as a gen. I don't strike me as a gen either. I used to strike me right. as a gen. I, I could believe. I could believe in that gen. No, Chrissy. <laughs> I, I, you're definitely a Chrissy. Well, let's gen, gen. my son. Let me get my son. And see what he says. He'll take one look and say, "Oh, it's Jen." <laughs> so. uh. 
Well, I hope he does enjoy tearing apart and putting back together the radio thing. No. Hey, you want to see? You said his name in the chat. It's like Beetlejuice. Hi to Jen. Oh, you can't see Jen. Oh, I mean, I can turn my camera on. Camera's on. Look. Yeah. Oh, he knows my name. <laughs> now you know his name. We, 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 call, we called her. Look, there's Jen. It's Jen. It's Jen until I forget her name again. Yes. So we, we <laughs> just so you know, on this show, the entire show, we called her Jen. Good. Because of you. That's her name. Yep. It's Jen. Your hair is huge. He's huge. Yeah, where do you get such good? I know. I used to be able to come over there, like pick him up and spin him around, and now he's like taller than me almost with the hair. Need a haircut, dude. Soon he's gonna be picking me up and spinning me around. I'm both, actually. What happens if you put them together? We can't. So, all right. An explosion of lens flare. An explosion of lens flare off of Dave's head. All right. Oh, you crazy kids. (laughs) 